Hello! A very warm Sunday morning welcome to you. You're listening to St. Mark Lutheran Church in Bemidji's podcast. Today's podcast is sponsored by the Half Church Donut Guild. We keep taking the last half of the donut awkward, so you don't have to. On the first three Sundays of the Easter season, our focus is on the appearances of Jesus. The fourth Sunday, today, marks the transition from the time of Christ to the time of the Church. We again meditate on the words Jesus spoke to his disciples before his death. Those words remind us how he is our good shepherd. His word proclaims his work fulfilled. By his word, he calls his sheep. Every word he speaks to us, including his promise to give eternal life, will be fulfilled. If you are interested in learning more about our ministry, may I suggest you take a peek at www.stmarksbemidji.org. You may also want to subscribe to our YouTube channel for video podcasts, our weekly sermons, or friend us on our Facebook page. If you have any trouble finding us, just look in the show notes in this podcast for the links. I also want to hear from you. If you have any feedback on the podcast or you just want to say hi to me, drop a line at john.kirk at stmarksbemidji.org. Our sermon for today is titled, The Lamb is the Shepherd and is based upon Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 through 17. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne, and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen! Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they, and where did they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple, and He who sits on the throne will shelter them with His presence. Never again will they hunger, never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. We now join Pastor Zamzo for the sermon. In the name of our Good Shepherd, Jesus, Amen. read an article the other day that was talking about the situation in Ukraine before Russia invaded. And I don't know how many people know this, or maybe it's common knowledge and it was just news to me on that day um, when I read it. Uh, but the people who were in, uh, in Ukraine in some of the major cities were like carrying on as though there was no big deal. There were many who were out, uh, out and about getting dinner, get, having drinks, um, going shopping, doing their normal run-of-the-mill everyday stuff, not having a care in the world, oblivious to the fact... Uh, that something horrible was going to happen to them the next day. 
oblivious to the fact that the very next day, all that they thought was so normal and so secure, their daily habits, their daily routines, their ability to go out and do all that stuff, that would be gone. Little did they know that, that very shortly there would be parents that, that had their children snatched away from them as they were shuttled off either to safety or taken by, by the enemy. Little did they know that in short time they'd be having to scrape through the rubble of buildings and searching and calling out helplessly and seemingly aimlessly for their loved ones, totally powerless to stop the violence, totally powerless to do anything in the face of things so far beyond their control. The what seems to be the mighty voice of politicians, the might of nations, the march of armies. As I, as I read that, it just dawned on me and was impressed upon me how we think that we have such control over our plans and our lives and our futures and our families, yet the frailty of it all. Just how quickly those things can be taken from us, how quickly the powers in this world can make us feel so small, divided, leaderless. Yeah, sure, maybe we don't have an invading army here, but you know there are plenty of things in life that can make us feel like there is a multitude of things that are beyond our control. I mentioned these things this morning to you because I want to give you a little snippet, a little picture of the world in which St. John lived. See, as the writer of Revelation and these words that we have in front of us from Revelation chapter 7 this morning are from him. Most know the Apostle John as the last living apostle. Most know him as the guy, the only apostle who was not killed outright, martyred for his faith. And before we think that's a light sentence, it was not. He was exiled out to an island called Patmos. And if you've ever looked this up on a map, you see that there's a little tiny island off the coast of Ephesus. And it was in Ephesus where John had been their pastor, he had been their teacher, and he was arrested for none other than preaching and teaching the risen Lord. To make this live a little bit, I know it's graphic, but it's like when you hear those awful news stories of when a, uh, some psycho killer breaks into a home and murders children in front of parents. That's exactly what's happening here. Uh, the fate that John suffered out on the island of Patmos was maybe a fate worse than death. Because he sat out there on that rock with an eye shot of land and he knew exactly what was going on back in Ephesus. He knew that his people were being rounded up. He knew that they were being fed to wild animals in the Roman Colosseums. He knew that they were being crucified. He knew that they were being burned at the stake. He knew that they were being forced underground and forced to, forced to worship in secret. He, knows, he knew that they were being systematically rounded up and he was completely powerless to stop it. And the overwhelming temptation for John must have been, Lord, these are your people. Lord, these people are suffering because of the message I told them. 
These people are suffering because I was their pastor. Will you not stop them? Will you not shepherd them? And then you get this vision in Revelation chapter 7. And these questions for John are answered as his eyes are directed back away from the shores of Ephesus, off the island of Patmos, off the dirt that's in front of his feet, and back to heaven. And John is given this glimpse into the throne room of God. And what does he see there? He sees that multitude beyond count from every nation, tribe, language, and people. All people, all believers of all time under heaven, and they all had that one thing in common that they were shepherded by the Lamb. Their robes were white because they were washed clean in the blood of that Lamb who stood there at the center of the throne. Remember what John tells us that Lamb looks like. He's not some kind of super sheep. That Lamb looked as though he had been slain. And it's that lamb's blood that made their robes white. It's the lamb that shepherded them there. John was being comforted with the knowledge that this is the flock in heaven, that the lamb that once was slain had led them to a place where all of their thirst was gone, all of their hunger was gone, all the things that made them sweat and fear and worry were gone, everything that made them cry was gone. The lamb is the shepherd. And God wiped the tears from their eyes. My friends, as we look this morning again at these words of St. John in this fantastic vision, it's as though, in a way, we are standing shoulder to shoulder with him. We are standing shoulder to shoulder with John looking into, peering into the throne, throne room in heaven. We get to hear the angel's song. Praise and glory and honor and strength and might and wisdom be to the Lamb who is at the center of the throne. With a mind's eye, we ponder the number of those in robes of white. We ponder all those people, that multitude beyond count. And one thing should dawn on you as it dawned on John. You will be there. You are in that flock. Your ears will hear this angel's song. You will see the Lamb at the center of the throne. You are in that number beyond count. And we will be there not because of anything that we have done, not because of our faithfulness or our wit or our good deeds or our fortitude or our ability to bear up under hardship or trouble or stress, not because, of we be, not because we've been a good parent or a good spouse or a, a good friend or a good worker or a good employer. No, we're not going to be there because of our ability to be anything. We will be there because of the Lamb who shepherded us there with His cross and with His resurrection. And indeed, we need the shepherding. So often we chase after the things of this world and we see the effects of sin. And there are those who would deny sin or try to cover it up or try to hide it or try to bury it. Sin infects us all. And sin always has that allure of freedom, doesn't it? Sin always has that idea that, hey, the 
the, the, the pasture is greener over there, but it's not. Rather, it's those things that, that, that when, when we sin, we are valuing what it is we want and what we want to do. And we have that allure that I can survive apart from my flock and from my shepherd. Ironically, we follow after sin. And no doubt, where does sin shepherd us? But to a place where we just thirst and hunger for more. Where does sin shepherd us, but to a place where we weep when the things that we put our trust in in this world fail? And we become a believe falsely that we can be the master of our own destiny. Yeah, for our part, more often than not, we are our own worst enemies when it comes to feeling helpless or divided or leaderless. When we put our faith or when we put our trust in the faithless things of this world that surround us, be it people, be it ourselves, be it politicians, be it money or possessions or our own wants and our own desires. All that stuff that just leads us to hunger and thirst and want for more and to weep when it fails and leads us ultimately to what is quite literally a dead end. But there is nothing, there is nothing under the sun that can lead us past the gate of death and brothers and sisters in Christ, what we see this morning is a glimpse beyond that gate. If but just for a moment, it's a glimpse beyond that gate into the throne room of God through the words of St. John where we see this multitude in white, beyond count. That's the flock. And at the center of it all is the Lamb who led them there. And there is nothing in this world, nothing underneath the sun that got us there. Certainly not ourselves. Certainly not, it's this, it's certainly not the sin-stained, out-of-control world. And we will be there because the Lamb washed us clean in His blood from all the faithlessness that is in this world because He offered Himself up as the helpless Lamb. Because He went forward without complaint. Because He went forward even though His own life was looking as though everything was spiraling completely out of control, yet He put His faith in His Father in Heaven to guide Him and to lead Him on. He underwent this great tribulation of His own so that when we watch Him, we see how He shepherds us through our own we see His own hunger and His own thirst and the shedding of His own sweat, blood, and tears. We watch as He passes through the gates of hell and shatters them for us. He is risen. He's gone through them. He's broken them. He's the Lamb. He's the Shepherd. There are many who would take the book of Revelation and make it more complex than it really needs to be. There are many who would take the book of Revelation and try to make complex timelines or try to use it to foretell when the end of the world is going to happen. And for all these mind-boggling visions and fantastic sights that we see, things beyond the end of time as our feet are taken to the brink of eternity and we are told, look, the message of Revelation is really, really, really simple. The world is going to hell in a handbasket. 
and there's nothing you can do to stop it. But Christ is King. He is your shepherd. And we will reign with Him. That's it. That's the book of Revelation. You look up any verse, any chapter, any word in Revelation that you are confused about and you look at it through that simple threefold outline, the world is going to hell in a handbasket. There's nothing you can do to stop it. But Christ is King. He will shepherd you and we will reign with Him. That's it. Interpret all of Revelation through that simple outline and that lens and you will not be left wanting. That's the message of the entire book. That's certainly the message of this one section of Scripture in chapter 7 that we have. And we allow, therefore, this vision, what we see in Revelation 7, to do for us what it did for John. And even though he was helpless, even though he's physically wasting away in a world that's falling apart and is beyond his control, what is he shown? He's shown the flock victorious in heaven. The Lamb at the center of the throne. He saw that we'd all get there. No matter what we face here and now. No matter what threatens us. And so that whether it be now or then, we are far from helpless or divided or leaderless. Because the Lamb is the shepherd. And we are never helpless. Let the world come down around us. Our faith is not found in it. Our faith is found in our shepherd. So consider the privilege that it is to gather here with what is a portion of the flock eternal. The writer to the Hebrews says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage each other all the more as you see the day approaching. For Christians in Ukraine, for St. John, the ability to gather and to worship with one another was robbed from them. Let us appreciate what we have is we have the opportunity to meet and to encourage each other with the Word of God like the one before us today. That we might keep the vision bright and the end goal in sight with our eyes off the ground and the dirt in front of us and on to the One who has been our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, our shelter from the stormy blast and our eternal home. The Lamb. Our Shepherd. The one who's at the center of the throne with whom we will be one day. And see him sitting there through the eyes of John and be encouraged on this Good Shepherd Sunday that we are, that we will be led to salvation by the Lamb. That we are in that flock, that multitude beyond count before the throne. And that with his cross and with his resurrection, our Savior Jesus shepherds us as. King David said in Psalm 23 that we sung a moment ago, through all the temptations of this life, through all the darkest valleys, through tables filled with enemies, yet we shall not be in want, but our cup will overflow and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, shepherded there by the Lamb. Amen. That's all there is for today. But we are so happy you took a few moments out of your busy day to listen to God's Word with us. Please consider subscribing to our podcast to hear more devotions like this, Monday through Friday, and to hear our Sunday sermons as well. We also cordially invite you to join us for church every week at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. If you would like more information about our church and its ministry, 
please visit our website at www.stmarksbemidji.org. 